like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us today. Amen. We welcome you. And if I don't get a chance to say this or greet each and every one of you today before it's all over, this is Thanksgiving week. And so on behalf of my wife and my family, we want to wish every one of you a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Hope you all have an enjoyable week this week. Praise God. If you're watching us on theantioch.com, welcome this morning into our sanctuary, whether it's live or archive. Praise God. Amen. They, uh, I guess they say this is like riding a bike. I guess once you've done it before, you can do it again. It feels very strange to be here and not have Brother Morgan uh, here. This has been a stretch where it's only been a few times I've had the opportunity to minister. And so it's, it's a little strange. I, honestly, it's been, been a while. Uh, but uh, we're going to follow the Holy Ghost uh, today and uh, see where the Lord is going to take us. You can be seated if you'd like. Um, in searching for the Lord's direction, seeking after what the Lord would like to speak about today, there's a crossroad that every person in ministry, especially if you're in in ministry of preaching or teaching or something regarding uh, in, in that line, there's a crossroad you all, you have to cross over every once in a while, and that is when you have to preach something that you know the first person you're preaching to is yourself. And so I readily admit before we even get started here today that I am not coming to you as an expert in what I'm about to talk about. I'm coming to you in... As the Lord gave this to me last night, it was challenging me as much as I hope it would challenge you today. And this is one of those uh, occasions that as the word goes forth, you have some people that leave encouraged and you have some that leave discouraged. There are some of you that will leave here today and you will receive an answer that will help you that will give you strength, that will give you faith. You're going to leave out of here feeling, feeling good. There's others of you that are going to leave out of here mad at me, mad at life, mad at God, and just frustrated. Same word, different hearts. And so I encourage you today to open up your heart and your spirit. In fact, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to help us today. We need the Lord to help us. Can we do that? Father, we thank you for everything you've done in this place to this point. But Lord, I know you have placed this word in my heart and I've come to deliver this not as a thought, not as entertainment, but Lord, I've come to release this word because you've put it in my heart. I ask you, Lord, that you would anoint us today, anoint the speaking and the hearing. Every heart in this place today, Father, let this word find lodging in their heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need you today. We need you today. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Romans, which is Paul's, uh, the theological term is epistle, but we call it a letter. It was Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Probably has some of the 
I don't know if you want to use this term when it comes to Scripture. It's just some of the juiciest stuff in it. Just good stuff. I mean, it's just, you can get lost in Romans uh, for, for a long time. And Roman, it was written to those who were already saved. And not to go, into, go down that road today, there are some that have taken portions of, Rome, of Romans and have, have misused them or brought them out of context that they were never meant to be used in. But Paul is writing to the early church. This is the church is still in its infancy. It's still gaining traction and still coming out of Old Testament thinking and coming into the New Testament theology of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on top of that, now you have the gospel being spread to the Gentiles and now you have a pagan Uh, mentality that's even beginning to try to infiltrate the church. And so you have all this working. And then on top of that, you have uh, this this new thing that's just been around for a a, a relatively short time, and that's the Holy Ghost. And Paul, in his attempt to help the church in Rome understand all that is taking place, because it's obvious that if you begin to read the book of Romans, there is a lot of things that Paul is trying to address because at this point in time, there is a, there is a, 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 a a plethora of ideas in the church. Some are still trying to detach themselves from living under the law of the Old Testament. Some are still living with some pagan ideologies. And so Paul, in his attempt to help the church in Rome, begins to address things and begins to work. And one of the best chapters in all of Romans is chapter 8. And we're not going there today, but chapter 8 really talks about what the Holy Ghost is and and, and walking in the Spirit and all the things that it entails. And so Paul's really trying to establish to this brand new early church the true understanding of a New Testament walk with God. But more than that, as he's writing to the church in Rome, because the Bible is not a historical book. It's not a book simply written to to divulge historicity to those of us to be able to read and, and enjoy stories and concepts, but it's a living thing. The Bible is a living thing. It's a living organism. That's why the Bible has never gone out of print. That's why the Bible is still the Word of God as it was 2,000 years ago. It's still applicable to us in a modern world. Now, instead of carrying around printed paper, we carry it on an iPad or on our phone. And now we have it in different means, but it's still the Word of God. And it's still just as much applicable and alive today as it was 2,000 years ago. Our modern world and modern thinking has tried to come up with ways to discredit the Bible, but the problem is you can't discredit the Bible because you can't discredit God. And the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Paul begins to address things. And in Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, as he is kind of starting to get into the meat of his teaching, he says this, therefore having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith 
into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now most of us read those verses and at first glance, because it's the Word of God, I ask you, do you believe that? Most of you would respond, I absolutely do believe that. But the problem is there is a portion right there in verse number 3. Let's go back to verse number 3 if you would put that on the screen. There's a portion right there, one, two, three, four, five, six letters, six words that it's hard for most of us in this room to really believe that. But we glory in tribulations also. That six word phrase right there for most of us is hard to comprehend because the word tribulation there means affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, and trouble. Paul says, I glory in these things. He says, I make boast. I am joyful. I am, I'm rejoicing in these things. I'm rejoicing. The problem is when you describe what the word tribulation means, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, and trouble, I just described your prayer list right there. I just hit everything on your prayer list in one word. Because for most of us, our prayer list involves that word tribulation. Because modern church theology has turned tribulation into a bad word. And now tribulation has become a barometer on whether or not God's happy with you. Whether or not you're pleasing Him. Whether or not you're doing everything you need to be doing. And tribulation has become the punishment from an angry God. And tribulation now has become the barometer to those who have somehow stepped out of the blessing. And so if you're going through these situations and you're going through anguish and trouble and persecution and, 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 and all this stuff, somehow you've missed it. And we've allowed that idea to get into the church and that is not a biblical idea. This whole, I, and I'm not going down here today and, 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 and sometimes you preach uh, the scenic route. You ever driven with somebody? My dad was like this when we went to go on vacation. He used to drive us crazy. Every single scenic overlook, we stopped. We had to stop because he had to take pictures. Sometimes that's how you preach. You see something scenic, you want to stop. We're going to talk about that for a minute. I happen to drive from point A to point B. We got point A, we're going to point B. Straight there. No stops. Cross your legs, no potty breaks, we're going. Let's go. So today we may take a little more of a scenic route. Some of you drive scenically, some of you drive with purpose. So we may take a little more scenic route today. But the idea that tribulation has become this bad thing is not even right. And the thing that drives me crazy is, is 
I know the Bible talks about us being blessed. I know that's a biblical concept. I know this concept of us becoming conquerors and overcoming and living this triumphant life. I know that's, that's biblical. That's, we're not supposed to walk around with our shoulders slumped and our head down and depressed and, and all messed up. But go back and read the life of the apostles. And watch how they ended up. If anybody should have been rolling in dough, driving Rolls Royce, living in mansions because they've got blessed because they're with Jesus, those 12 fellas should have had it. But Paul said, hey, there was sometimes I didn't even have enough money to go to McDonald's and buy a cup of coffee and a hamburger. I was hungry. I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. And there was only one of them that didn't die by the hand of being a martyr. And he was only reason because they tried to boil him alive and he wouldn't cook. And so to get rid of him, they had to stick him on an island with a bunch of criminals. Hey, listen, I, I want to live this triumphant life, but we got to get real here to understand, as the bishop, the founder of this church always says, this ain't heaven. And there's some of you in this room today, you are so frustrated and you're about to give up on God because he's not making your life perfect. And your whole prayer life revolves around that word tribulation. And you spend all your life praying to get rid of anguish, to get rid of problems, to get rid of pressure and get rid of trouble. And God sits back and doesn't do anything. And you think somehow either you miss God, God's mad, or somehow this whole Christian walk is broke. But Paul says, listen, I rejoice. I make boast in my tribulation. Because he understood tribulation becomes the stepping stone to hope. You can't get to hope without tribulation. You can't get around tribulation. You can't sidestep it. You can't pray enough, fast enough, read your Bible enough, come to enough church, sing enough, worship enough to avoid tribulation in your life doesn't happen and the fact of the matter is that you hold God hostage with your attitude because he doesn't fix in everything in your life and make your life perfect proves number one you don't have a biblical concept in your brain and number two is the fact that you're working contrary to what God has talked about and if anybody should have had a concept to avoid tribulation Paul, who was the most brilliant man in the New Testament, should have figured it out. If he didn't figure it out, what hope do you and I have of figuring it out? See, I told you, some of you are going to be happy, some of you are going to be mad. Leave my prayer life alone. Hey, listen, I can, I can tell you all you want. You send your money to me and your life's going to be better. But I got nothing to back that up with. If you think sowing your money is going to make your life perfect, you might as well just go down to the casino there and run the mills and throw it some jackpot, slam that arm down, because that's about as good a chance you have for your life being perfect. It's truth whether or not you like me or not. You might want Brother Morgan back next week after we're done today. Praise the Lord. So let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse number 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, everybody said the comforter, 
will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. These verses we have just read have just outlined the work of the Holy Ghost. The word reprove there means to convince, to refute, to convict. The Holy Ghost has not come to give you chill bumps, to make you feel good, so you can get a jolt every Sunday and go home and do your own thing. But in this verses, God has outlined to us the work of the Comforter. The work of the Comforter has come to convince and convict you of sin. To convict you and convince you of righteousness and to convince you of judgment. The work of the Holy Ghost, the mission of the Holy Ghost, the mission of the Holy Ghost has come to do these three things. To work on sin, to give you the revelation of righteousness, and to allow you to understand the coming judgment. This is what the Holy Ghost has come to do in your life today. This is why it's important that we understand when we receive the Holy Ghost why certain things happen in our life and why other things seem to take place in our life. Because it's not just semantics, but some have begun to translate that word comfort, comforter, into comfortable. There's a difference between comfortable and comforter. He didn't say, I will send you the comfortable. I will send you the comfortable. I will send you the comforter. You don't need to be comforted unless you have something that has caused you to need comforting. You don't need to be comforted Unless there's something in your life that is causing you to have a need to be comforted. If I walked up to you right now and you're having a good day, I walked in and just put a hands around you and said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're like, what are you doing? I just wanted to comfort you. I don't need comforting. I'm good. Back away. But if you were in a trial situation, if you, were, if you were going through something difficult and I walked up to you and gave you a hug, in that moment, it may, may be what you needed to get to the next day. And the Bible says that he will send the comforter, not the comfortable. And this comforter will come to do three things, to convict you and convince you of sin, to convince you of righteousness and to convince you of judgment. You cannot save someone that doesn't realize they're lost. I remember years ago when I was a kid, the bishop used this illustration, so allow me to use it today. But if I go down right now, you just seem like you're always getting picked on. Brother Morgan uses you, so I'm going to use you. If I go down to Seth and I grab a hold of him and I pull him and I start trying to swim, 
I'm saving you. Don't fight me. I'm saving you. Come on, you're drowning. He looks at me like, what are you doing? Get off me. I don't need to be saved. I'm not in danger. Doesn't matter how, my, how good my intentions are to try to save him. If he doesn't know he's drowning, he doesn't need to be saved. But if you put him in the middle of a lake and he can't swim, now all of a sudden, all the things that seemed out of place in this situation seem to make sense in that situation. And the Holy Ghost comes in our lives to convince us that we need saving. You think when you come to God, that's when you're convinced you need saving. But really, for those of us that have been around here for a while, you realize the more you walk with him, the more you realize you need saving. When you come to Christ and you lift your hands and you realize I'm lost without you, that's only the first revelation. Because, honey, there's about to be a whole book written of revelations that you're going to realize the more you get into it, it's not that you realize, you know what, I've got this all figured out. Really, the more you get into it, you realize, man, I need saving big time. And the Holy Ghost comes in our lives to convince us that we need saving. You know, we have, you know, the biggest problem we have today? The biggest problem that we're facing today, it's not ISIS, it's not Islam. It's not the craziness of this world, our government. It's not all the political junk going on. That's not the biggest problem facing this world. The biggest problem facing this world is there's no sinners left. There are no sinners left in this world. You go down to the bar and you ask somebody, they believe in God. We have eliminated sin. And we have convinced everybody, and some of you are even convinced today, and you sit here every week, you're convinced today, if I do enough good to outweigh my bad, then I will be okay. And so you live with this proverbial scale in your brain. Oh, I did. Oh, I had a bad day today. I thought a couple of bad things. I did some bad things. Boy, I better step up my game tomorrow because I got to really even out this scale. Boy, you know what? I really like to only go to church Sunday morning, but I had a bad week. So I probably have to go Sunday morning and Sunday night in order to get the scale balanced. And so we live under so much pressure. Uh, this may be the fast. If you're wanting to go faster today, we, you might have to come tonight. This is the fast we're going. And we live under so much pressure. We talk about this whole this this Christian thing supposed to be is supposed to be righteousness and peace and joy. Woohoo! This is awesome. But why do we feel like we're under so much pressure? We come to church and it's like whew, pressure. Whew. We come to. Ooh, pressure to pray, pressure to read our Bible, pressure to, to worship, pressure, pressure, pressure. You know why? Because performance breeds pressure. And when you're trying to live for God, to perform, to get good, it causes you to carry the burden of your own salvation. 
So if that's the case, what we should do is, and I know this is a little graphic and a little bizarre, but what we should do is every Sunday we should have a lottery and we'll select one person to get on a cross and we'll kill you every week. But there was only one sacrifice that was ever needed. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the sinless sacrifice. He came to do what you and I couldn't do. Because the moment I was born, I was born with the nature of sin. And I was already eliminated from being the sacrifice. But he stepped in. He who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that you and I wouldn't have to get on a cross. He said, I'll get on a cross for you. So when you try to outperform your bad, what you're telling God is, listen, the cross thing, that was cool. That was a good trick. But it wasn't good enough for me. Oh, I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens. It didn't bother me. I'm not. Brother Morgan, he wants you. You ain't amen him. He's just going to stay there. I'm just going to keep going. You can amen me or not. It ain't going to bother me. When you try to outperform and perform your way into heaven, you're telling God, listen, that whole Calvary thing, that was, that was, that was neat. I'm, I'm glad you did it, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go a little farther. Maybe you should have get, been beaten a few more times. Maybe you should have had those thorns driven in your, maybe the three nails wasn't enough. Maybe they need four or five or six nails to get to the point where your sacrifice was sufficient to take care of me because I'm so messed up. And so we live under this pressure. We live under this pressure to perform. And the Bible says, go back to John 16. Put verse number, what are we verse? Let me go back up there. Verse number nine. John 16, verse number nine. What's it say? Of sin, because they believe not in me. The Holy Ghost, the mission of the Holy Ghost is to come to convict you and convince you of sin. Why? Because you believe not in me. And you say me to me, preacher, that's crazy. I wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't believe in God. The obviously, I'm sitting here today, so I must believe. But that's not what that word believe mean. It doesn't just mean a confession, an outward expression of faith. That word believe means this. It means to rely upon, to trust in, and to cling to. And there's a lot of you in here today that you come in here every week, but that does not describe your life. You don't rely, you don't cling, and you don't trust. Hey, I got this, God. I got it. I, I'll, listen, if it gets messed up, I'll call you. You come clean it up. Right now, I'm good. I'll ring the bell. You come running with your broom and your dustpan. Clean up my mess. Give me a fresh start again. We become the video game generation church we just play until our character dies and we just hit the reset button start again try it again and god's become this this proverbial genie in the bottle he pops out fixes it and goes back away we'll carry you around in our pocket and when we ring the bell you come and if you don't come quick enough i'm not coming to church 
Hallelujah. I can't believe I'm saying some of this stuff. It's a glass pulpit too, and it's not bulletproof. And so we, ha- we hold God over the fire that if he doesn't clean up my mess, that somehow we're going to hold him hostage. I'm not worshiping today because you haven't done what I've asked you to do. I'm not coming to church today because you haven't solved all my problems. But if everything in your life is perfect and everything is going good, you're so happy and busy, you don't even have time to acknowledge the source of that. And so God can't win. If he blesses you, you forget him. And if he puts you in situations, you blame him. Somebody's going to get to heaven today. I may be the first one to get there because you might send me there quick. (laughs) I feel like the bishop's on me today or something. I don't know. And so we, we live with this deal. We, God can't win either way, and we can't win either way. God can't win because if he doesn't fix everything, we're mad at him. And if he fixes everything, we forget him. But then we can't win either way because God doesn't fix everything. And then we're never, so we live, and nobody's happy. And so we come to church and, and we talk about everything God wants to do. And we talk about revival and we talk about all this stuff. And we're like, forget that. I can't even think about anybody else. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Why do I want to go witness to somebody and talk to them about Jesus? I don't even know if I'm going to make it. And woe be to me if I preach the gospel and find myself a castaway. What good is it for me to go out and tell somebody about Jesus if I'm not even sure I'm going to make it? And why am I not going to make it? Because I'm trying to do it on my own. And I say to everybody, you know what? You come to God, you can get saved, you can get the Holy Ghost, get baptized, you feel so good. And they're like, really? And you're like, yeah, I think. It's good for the first little while. It's a little tough after that. Why? Isn't God so good? Yeah, he really is. Boy, isn't this awesome work living for God? <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Whatever you say, this is great. I love it. <laughs> Woo, I love Jesus. Got my bumper sticker, my WWJD bracelet. Just reminded myself, I'm going to make it. That's the way we live. My goodness. No wonder you have to have somebody up here with pom-poms waving their hands saying, come on, let's worship, let's worship. Yeah, 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 J-E-S-U-S, J-E-S-U-S. Say the name, say the name. He's the best. Yes, yes, yes. And you're like, you're crazy. Because when you live under pressure, there's no motivation to worship. Because you're like, I don't know. I barely got here today. That's all I can do. Because, man, this stuff is hard. And now you want me to worship and you want me to pray and you want me to do all this stuff. You know, preacher, I am absolutely under the gun here. And God ain't helping me out. And now you're telling me I have to live life. And now this is crazy. And you want me to worship and do all this stuff and act happy? You're out of your mind. And we've convinced ourselves 
That if somehow we don't get all this fixed, we're not going to make it. But we understand the mission, everybody say mission. The mission of the Holy Ghost has come to do one thing. To convince you of sin, convict you of sin. You say, what do you mean? I'm saved. I'm already convinced I'm a sinner. No, 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 no. This ain't one saved, always saved. You say, well, I've already been convinced I was saved. I I came here to church. I I got baptized. I feel the Holy Ghost. Isn't that good enough? No, 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 no. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. The moment you stop remembering that you're a sinner. Not that you walk around going, I'm a sinner, I'm no good, I'm just worthless, I'm trash, I'm a sinner. That's not what that means. It's to realize, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. I needed the Savior the first time I walked in here. I need a Savior the second time I walked in here. I need a Savior every day I walked in here. If it's the first year, the second year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I can't make it without a Savior. Every day I get up, I need a Savior. Every night I go to bed, I need a Savior. Without Him, I can do nothing. Of sin because they believed not in me. Of sin because they didn't trust, cling to, rely on me. So the Holy Ghost comes. And this is the part that we have such a hard time trying to wrap our head around because the Holy Ghost has come not to bring tranquility. I know the Bible says it's come to bring righteousness, peace, and joy. But the Holy Ghost has not come to bring tranquility. Really, the Holy Ghost comes to stir things up. Because in chemistry, if you take a beaker of liquid, and within that container, there are suspended particles. If you let that thing sit for a while, all the stuff that's in that beaker, if it's heavier than the liquid, will eventually sink to the bottom. And if you let it sit undisturbed long enough, that water will become clearer and clearer and clearer to the point when you look in that water, you think that that vial is perfectly pure. But the only thing that's happened is all the junk that was floating around hasn't been disturbed, and so now it's all sunk to the bottom. But all you got to do is just give a little nudge, shake a little bit, and everything that was on the bottom begins to stir back up. And all that purity and all that stuff begins to float back up. And now what was so pure now becomes murky and clouded. And so our idea is, listen, don't mess with the particles. Let me be alone. Stop everything. And sometimes God in his mercy, he lets things calm down. What happens? All that junk in our lives settles. We start looking around going, boy, pretty good. Feel pretty good. Feel like a good Christian. I feel pure. I feel clear. Why come to church now? I'm going to sit on the front row now. 
I'm going to be a worshiper because look at all the stuff in my life. I got it all. But you realize the only thing that's happened is all the stuff that was floating around in your life has just settled. But all of a sudden, when tribulation shows up and shakes you a little bit and rattles your cage and you get knocked around a little bit, all of a sudden, boom, there's this explosion of stuff in you. And most of us step back and go, oh, my God, what's going on? I'm such a sinner. I failed. Look at all the junk in my life. What am I going to do? Oh, my goodness. I, I don't even think I can even pray. I don't even think God even loves me anymore. Look at all the mess in my life. Not realizing the Holy Ghost is the one shaking you up. Because it's in the shaking that you realize there's stuff in you that needs to be addressed. That's why the Bible says everything that can be shaken shall be shaken. So I pray today, shake me Jesus, shake me Jesus, shake me Jesus. Because Paul said, I glory, I make boast, I rejoice, I get happy, I do my dance, not when everything's going good. I get happy in the tribulation. Whoa, I don't understand that concept of life. I don't get it. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be rejoicing when everything's good. How can I rejoice when everything's going bad? How can I rejoice in anguish? How can I rejoice in trouble? How can I rejoice in frustration and all the stuff that's just driving me crazy? I'm supposed to rejoice when God's answering my prayer. I got money in my pocket, food in my belly, cars driving great, kids are acting right. My wife looks amazing. My husband looks like the man and everything is perfect. That's when I'm supposed to rejoice. And you're telling me now I'm supposed to rejoice when everything is messed up? Yes! Why? Because it's in the shaking when all that stuff in you begins to be shaken up that the Holy Ghost says, see, there's stuff in you. If you would let me work on, I'll get it out of you and I'll make you go where you want to go. Because if you take that particle, that, that vial, and you put a filter, you begin to filter that. Eventually, you can get to the point where that vial becomes clear again and all the stuff has been filtered out. But you know what's crazy? If you take a filtered, pure vial of liquid and you put it next to a one that has stuff in it, but you let them both sit for a while, from appearances, they both look the same. From appearances, there's no difference. From appearance, it all looks like everybody's going to the same place. Everybody's on the same path. Look, we all look the same. But when shaking comes, you start to find out which one has got the real thing and which one has got the stuff. So you're not saved because you're happy without shaking. You're saved because you understand the beauty in the shaking. You're not saved because you figure out the magic formula to avoid the stirring. You're saved because you understand the blessing that happens in the stirring. 
I've got to admit, the last three years of the life, it's felt like God's had his straw in my life, and he has just been constantly, just won't leave me alone. Just stir, 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 stir. And I have to admit, there were times where I was frustrated, and I was angry. I was angry at God. God, what are you doing? Leave me alone. Don't you realize all this stuff? Don't you're supposed to be a loving, kind, tender God? What are you doing all this? Why are you messing with my life? I say, God, I got to get up there. I got to tell people how great you are. And I don't even know if I believe that. Is that too transparent? When you're frustrated and there's no answer, boy, God, thank God he is so patient. If he had a quick trigger, we would be in trouble. I would be on the menu of KFC, extra crispy, baby. Woo. It would not be good. Thank God he's so patient. Thank God he loves me enough. Not to squash me in my frustration when I get angry. And I say to him, what are you doing with my life? God, stop stirring me up. Because it's not fun when you get stirred up and you realize you got stuff in your life. It was, it's not a fun realization when you think, man, you've, I'm, I'm whew, doing good, man. I, and I'm praying a little bit. Not much, but I'm praying enough, you know. I'm coming to church. And, yeah, I got my daily Bible thing pops on my phone. I read the scripture every day. I've got that important done. Check. You know, I'm, I'm, I smile at people, open doors. You know, cut only two people off in traffic this week. I mean, I'm okay. This is great. And all of a sudden, God comes along and goes, all of a sudden, this, whoa. And you're like, Oh, my. I mean, oh. I, it's like for a while there, I'm like, what's the point of praying? I'm so messed up, he probably didn't want to hear what I have to say. What's the point of worshiping? I'm so messed up. My worship, I mean, I know he didn't want me to worship. Maybe that person over there because they, their vial's clear. <laughs> He's not being shaken right now. That's the problem. But then all of a sudden, the Lord in his great patience and kindness, gently, not with a hammer over my head, which I probably deserve that more, but gently began to realize all this stuff, Brother Evans, all this stuff that was going on in my life was stirring up things not to bring condemnation, but to bring something in my life that calls me to say, God, I've got stuff in me that needs to be taken out. So Paul says, I glory, rejoice, I get happy in tribulation. Whoa, Paul, time out, buddy. That's... That's not the kind of God. I, how can you say that? Because somewhere along the way, Paul understood every time there's a shaking, there's something coming out.
Every time there's pressure, every time there's problems, every time there's anguish, it's an opportunity for God to take something out. The more I know, listen, I'm not speaking against anything. I know the bishop preaches peace and grace and all that. That, that, that that's, I'm not, This is not a contradiction to all that. This is not contradiction. This is not, we're not too conflicting conflicting it's this it's the same coin we're just looking at it differently today the point of the matter is is that if you're here today and you're trying and you're living under this pressure of trying to have a perfect life and everything in your life so perfect you have a big problem because you've stepped into the ring with an undefeated champion and in your corner you're the challenger and you have may have you've made trained all your life for this moment but in the corner is the undefeated champion called the holy ghost and when you step in the ring of the Holy Ghost, trust me, you ain't coming out the same way you came in. And we think somehow we, have, we can come up with the magic formula to trick God into manipulating God into figuring all this out to make everything perfect. And he's like, I'm not doing it because if I make your life perfect, all the stuff's just going to settle and you're going you're gonna to realize, oh, what? He's not preaching to me. He's preaching to no. He's not preaching. Oh, it's not. I know who he's preaching to, but it's not me. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I live with them every day. He's preaching to you. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost comes along, and he starts messing with our life. But instead of that being a negative that we have to face things, you begin to understand that God is doing it because he desires to filter your life. He desires to let the Holy Ghost then become the filter in your life. I'm almost done. Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, he said, He that has begun this good work in you shall perform it. Meaning he's going to keep going until it's completed. He's not going to stop. And you know what my prayer today is? Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop, Jesus. Don't stop until you get all of this out. I got a question to somebody today. What? Is God using in your life to stir up your heart? What are you spending prayer time every day trying to figure out how to get rid of but God's brought in your life because he's trying to stir things up? You're not savable because you're pure in good times. You're savable because you've begun to be pure in the shakings. And I wish I could tell you today that I'm there, that when, my, when I get shaken, I just stand up and say, Woo, I'm coming to church and I am happy today. Why? Because my life is a mess. You know, you're always, one of these days, I'm going to have the courage to say it. Someone's going to ask you, how you doing? Instead of saying, you know, I'm doing good. How you doing? Terrible. <laughs> I've got anguish, pressure, trouble. 
But glory be to God. I finish with this. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. You'll put it on the screen. Philippians 2, verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The first step that when we come to God, we come with fear and trembling, not fear as in in terror, but we come to God in fear and trembling in the sovereignty of who he is and the realization of eternity. And so Paul says, now that you've, you've come and you've worked out your salvation with fear and trembling, in that beginning stages, you, you, you come to God and you're saved because most of us, it's that realization that if I don't get saved, I'm lost. And you understand the sovereignty of God and you see the sovereignty of God and, 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 and you begin to tremble at the fact that of, of the greatness of God. And that's great, but that doesn't last forever. Paul goes on to say, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God. Everybody say God. For it is God with, which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That word worketh there means to literally activate. Means that God will activate in you both to will, that world word will means to wish, want, or desire. That means this, that God is going to activate in you the, the desire to do his good pleasure. Do you know what that means? If he's got to activate it, it doesn't come from me. If it's something that has to be activated by God, that means it's turned off. And you can't turn something on that God holds the key to. So that means I can't do enough mental gymnastics to convince myself and do a pep talk on myself to do good enough. That's why the whole thing in the mirror doesn't work. Come on, you can do it. You're going to do better. Just come on, you can do it. Come on, that's it. You're going to do, you can do it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. It doesn't work because you're trying to turn a switch on that God's going, um, hello, you don't have that key. I have that key. And you're pushing a button and it ain't turning on. And so what do we start doing? We start questioning the button. Well, it's broke. See, I knew this whole thing is just crazy. I can't do it. I knew it. I can't do it. I'll never be able to do it. You're right, congratulations. Move to the head of the line. You're right, you can't do it. And Paul says, it is God. Everybody say God. Who's the Father? Jesus. Who's the Son? Who's the Holy Ghost? Jesus. It's not semantics. It's not, it's not, it's not shifting around terms. It's Father is Jesus, the Son is Jesus, the Holy Ghost is Jesus, so we can instrument, for it is Jesus. Who's Jesus? The Holy Ghost. That empowers you, activates in you 
both to desire and to do his good pleasure. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't really know if I've got to desire. You know, you've got to desire to live for God because it's like, okay, you know, if I don't do it, I'm going to be lost. But it's a struggle. It's a fight. It's an effort. Everything becomes a, everything is this laborious, tedious task. Sunday's coming. I got to go to church. Oh, I got to pray today. Oh, I got to read my Bible. Oh, I can't see that. I can't do that. Can't watch that. Can't say that. Can't do this. Can't go there. Can't do this. Oh, this is so hard. That's somebody right there that's doing it on your own. You've just admitted to yourself and everybody else, I got this. Hey, God, watch me. I got this. I'm glad the cross thing got me to this point, but I got it now. Who needs a cross? I got this thing. He said, it's God that works in you, that activates. Everybody say activate. That activates in you the desire, the wish, the want in you to both do and to desire him and his pleasure. So what is the mechanics of all this? It's to Trish and we come. What are the mechanics of all this? Why did Paul say, I'm happy, I glory in tribulation? Because Paul understands when there's tribulation, when there's shaking in our lives, and some of you right now, you're in the middle of your own earthquake. I mean, just shaking, shaking. Shaking. I've been, I've been in one earthquake in my life, and I pray in Jesus' name that was the only one I will ever be in it because that was the longest 30 seconds of my life. It was like on the seventh floor of a hotel, and I'm just waiting for the roof to start collapsing like a sandwich, and I'm going to be stuck somewhere in the middle. And that 30 seconds felt like three hours. It's shaking, shaking, shaking. Shaking. It's not fun. Nobody here stands in front of the line and says, well, well what would you like to do today? Well, you know, could I get a little tribulation? Love, I could love some tribulation. Would love it. I, I could uh, just give me some tribulation. Give me a little bit of anguish. Uh, throw some persecution in there and just top it off with some trouble. I would love that. Give it to me. I'm just, that's what I want today. Lord, you're so good. I ask you, Lord, today that if you would give me tribulation... You bring some stuff in my life. You'd cause me to shake it up. I, I would just love that today. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. No. Most of it's like, please, God, don't let anything go wrong today. I don't know how much more I can take. God, praise, Lord, let all this stuff settle down in my life. I don't want to look at it anymore. I, don't, I, don't, I want it to all go away. And God says, I'll answer that prayer for you. Ready? Shake. No, that's not what I asked. God, yo, I asked you to make everything good. You said I have peace. I can have all this stuff. God, yo, whoo, peace. Everything, make it go away. Make it go away. He said, okay, I'll make it go away. Shake. Why? Is he cruel? I mean, literally, we have this mentality that God sits up there and he looks at us and just goes, (laughs) Wow, they are messed up. Man, you know what? Let's just throw this out there and see how bad we can make it. 
some of you in right now, you're going through mess. Some of it you call, some of it other calls. And you can point fingers. You can point fingers up, you can point fingers there, you can point fingers here. But instead of point fingers, say, God, hey, in all of this, I found stuff in me I didn't even know was there. I'll be transparent as I possibly can with you. I never was an angry person. I've always been very laid back, happy, go lucky. But in the last two years, man, I've had stuff, anger come out of me. I'm like, where in the world is this coming from? I mean, I'm just, I get, and I'm like trying to avoid all of it. And God's, and the worst part about it is the more I pray, the more shaking happens. It almost gets to the point where I'm not praying because every time I pray, it gets worse. And I realized the reason why is because I'm praying for the wrong thing. It's not to pray for the shaking to stop. It's to pray for all this stuff in me that gets revealed when the shaking comes to get out. Because I realized it's not the shaking that's bothering me. It's all the stuff that's being shaken. And we spend so much time praying for the shaking. When the shaking is going to come. In this world you shall have tribulation. You shall have it. It's guaranteed. It's a promise. In this world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Who we can shout about that. What does that mean? That means in this world you're going to have some shaking. But be of good cheer. Because I have brought the shaking so that you can overcome. So the things in your life right now that you're frustrated with, that you're mad about, it's not punishment. Some of you feel so defeated here today because you feel like God's punishing you. Why is God mad at me? What have I done wrong? No, 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 God's not mad at you. God's trying to shake you. Because there's things in you he's trying to take out. You say, well, I don't know how to do all that, preacher. I don't even know. I I don't even know where to go. I, I, I don't even know if I can even pray. It's God that activates in us the desire to do good pleasure. The first acknowledgement in this place today is to realize I need a Savior. It's not the visitor in here today that's the only one that needs to acknowledge that you need a Savior. Everybody from the left to the right, from the platform to the back wall, I need a Savior. I need a Savior on Monday. I need a Savior on Tuesday. I need a Savior on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. Not just Sunday. Every day I need a Savior. Because I've been reminded, my friend, over and over again, I've been reminded the moment I think I'm okay is the moment that I'm reminded that this stuff right here ain't going away. And I need a Savior. But more importantly, I pray this, Jesus. 
everything you've brought in my life that's stirring up my heart. Stir it, Jesus. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And God, sometimes I pray this, and I don't even, I don't even know if I believe what I'm praying, but I'm praying, God, today that you accept the words of my heart. Stir me, Jesus. Stir me. Don't let it all filter out. Don't let it all settle down so I can get in this false security that everything in my life is okay. Only to be reminded the next time the shaking comes. If you're here today and you're going through shaking, you're not being shaken because God's mad at you. You're not being shaken because you're punished. And you know what? You can come down to this altar and you can boo-hoo and you can cry for hours trying to get rid of the shaking. And you'll leave here frustrated and angry and upset. God, why, 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 why are you taking away the shaking? And he says, if you start praying for the right thing, I'll fix it all. Stop praying for the shaking to stop and start praying all the stuff that the shaking has revealed that you would let my spirit filter out of you because that was the purpose for the shaking in the beginning. The whole thing, I didn't bring the shaking to punish you. That's why sometimes you can come to the altar, lift your hands, and you can have every man of God, every woman of God. You can even have angels come down and touch your head and nothing happens and you walk going, why am I not being healed? Why is this not happening? He says, because I brought shaking in you. I brought the shaking. I brought the shaking. I brought the shaking to remind you and convince you you need a savior. I brought the shaking to remind you and to convince you you've got stuff in your life that needs to be shaken. But I haven't brought it to bring condemnation. I brought it so that you can allow me to filter it out. You know why some of you today, right in this moment, I'm trying to quit, but the Holy Ghost is not done. You know why some of you right now, you're feeling condemnation. You're feeling like the more, the more the Lord speaks, the more you just feel like, oh, you just feel sick. You know why? Because condemnation and conviction are not the same thing. Conviction comes from God and conviction pushes you towards God because conviction reveals stuff in you and then you want to go to God because God, get this out. That's from God. But condemnation is there is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk in the spirit, not after the flesh. The reason why some of you right now in this moment feel so much condemnation in you because it's an acknowledgement that you're trying to do this in your flesh. That's why you feel so hopeless sitting in here right now as the Holy Ghost has talked. The more, the more the Holy Ghost has ministered, the more hopeless you felt. And you're thinking, man, I just got to get out of here. I feel like I am a worthless piece of garbage. Is because you're trying to figure out, how do I fix all this? You can't fix. But there's one that's able to do it. Exceeding abundantly above what all can I ask and think. There's one in this place today that says, filter me, Jesus. Filter me, Jesus. God, all this junk, all this hurt, this anger, frustration, bitterness, unforgiveness, all of this stuff in me, get it out. Do you ever find, you ever feel, realize that the people you have the most problem with, God always seems to bring in your life? You try to avoid them. You block their phone call. You cut their email off. 
They come in one door, you come out the other door. But it seems like every once in a while, God is going to make sure you cross paths with them. It's unavoidable. He's going to make sure it happens. If you got a breakdown on the side of the road and everybody's home that day, but that person, they'll be driving along. Sure enough, they're going to be the one. And they're going to stop. You need help. And you're going to be like, of all the people in the world, you were the one. You know what? I'm good. Keep going. Why does God do that? Shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. That's why every once in a while, it's never going to be about great preaching, make me feel good. Every once in a while, the God's going to give the preacher something that's going to make you mad. Why? Shake it up. Shake it up. Stir it, Jesus. Stir it. Stir it. Stir it. Why? Because once it's stirred and all that stuff, then he has the opportunity to say, see, if you'd let me, I'll get all this stuff out. I'll get it all out. Right where you're sitting right now, I want you to close your eyes. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Can you talk to the Lord? Come on. This is not something that you can just dismiss and walk away. The Holy Ghost has spoken in this place today. Some of you need to repent. Say, God, I've been praying for the wrong thing. I've been frustrated with you. I've been blaming you. God, don't let the stirring stop until you've completed the work. Don't let it stop until you've done it all, God. Don't leave, let there be one thing left in me unshaken. Everything that can be shaken shall be shaken. And God, I need your grace to make it through this. But I pray, God, don't let me stop. Don't let me stop it, God, till you've done what you need to do. I pray now in the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost filter would come in this place. God, begin to filter the stuff out of our lives that's been revealed. Lord, we don't like looking at it. It doesn't make us feel good, but you've done it for a reason. Come on, I know it's, it's, it's getting a little later, but can we just take a moment and talk to Jesus? He's in this place. Come on. Come on. Instead of leaving out of here with, with feeling like it's hopeless, we can leave out of here with, with confidence, with faith, with assurance, knowing that everything that's happened in my life, God's bringing it for my good. People, that's lo- people that, 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 that live frustrated, that's someone who can't believe that everything's working for my good. But when you realize the purpose behind my shaking, I can say with confidence, everything is working for my good. My mountains and my valleys, my rivers, it's all working for my good because he's doing it. Because he's trying to filter me. Filter me, Jesus. Filter me, Jesus. Filter me, Jesus. Filter me, Jesus.
Come on, just another moment. Just you and Jesus for another moment. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I surrender. I surrender. All to all to you. To you. I surrender all to you, Jesus. Everything, Everything I give, I give to, you. to you. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Withholding, withholding nothing. Oh, withholding nothing. Oh, oh. Withholding nothing, I surrender. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. Oh, withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing, Lord. Withholding nothing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Stand and sing this as a prayer today. Oh, everything, everything, everything I give to give you, give you, 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 withholding nothing, yeah, holding nothing. Oh, holding nothing. I 
surrender all to you. Everything, everything oh. I give to you. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. time if you would just lift your hands and just tell the Lord say Lord don't stop the stirring until you've completed the work in me God give me the grace to keep walking when the stirring keeps me cloudy but I can't find my way but know that you're working it for my good God I, I, I hear what Paul said glory and tribulation I'm not quite there yet but I realize today more than ever that the stirring you brought in my life is not in punishment, but the stirring is working it out for my good. Don't leave me alone, God, until you've done the work. Don't stop the stirring until you've cleared out all the junk, all the stuff that's in my life, Lord. Don't let me fall into a religious trap that says everything's okay if my life is perfect. But God, I pray, stir it up in me, Jesus. 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 In the morning, in the noonday, in the middle of the night. If you've got to wake me up, Lord, and don't let me sleep. Stir it up in me, Jesus. Stir it up in me, Jesus. Oh, give us the grace to keep walking when we don't know what to do. But Lord, give us the grace to know that all things are working together for our good. Oh, I lose the spirit of revelation in this place. I lose the spirit of grace in this place. I lose it now in the name of Jesus. I lose it now in the name of Jesus. I lose it now in Jesus' name. Oh, I bind every lie of the adversary. I bind it. I rebuke it. I cast it down. I lose faith. Arise in your people today. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I wish you could lift your hands one more time and just worship him. Just give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. Oh, we begin to thank him because we realize that every trial, every situation, every persecution, anguish, and trouble, he's doing it for my good. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 
Thank you for confirming your word today, Lord. Thank you for confirming your word in my spirit. Thank you, Lord, for bringing confirmation and light into the darkness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can we just clap our hands to the Lord one more time and thank Him? Amen.